Hello, and welcome to the American Osteopathic College of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation podcast. I'm your host, student Dr. Tosin Chowdhury. Today we are joined by Dr. Chris Ha. Dr. Ha is a resident physician at the Mayo Clinic PMNR Residency Program. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Ha. Hey, Tosin. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be on. So we always like to start off our podcast with uh, an introduction from our um, guests. So if you don't mind, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Yeah, my name is uh, Chris Ha. I'm a second-generation Vietnamese American, born and raised in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, went to school at the Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine, and currently I'm an intern at Mayo. Awesome. Um, so what led you to the field of PM&R? Yeah, um, a lot of things, actually. It was kind of a, a story that unfolded. Uh, it really started uh, when I started playing soccer um, just as a young kid. I started playing when I was four. Um, so growing up, I was really shaped by, um, you know, an athletic background and being around um, just people playing sports and um, with that, a lot of different injuries. And so that took me into my undergrad where I decided to major in health science studies um, and basically concentrated a lot in exercise physiology, uh, kinesiology, and thinking a lot about function and, and movement at that time. Um, and so then when I got into medical school, you know, I had never heard about PM&R at that point, but um, I knew I wanted to do something uh, functional-related, movement-related, and the other part of the background is my dad actually has polio, and so he has a lower motor neuron disease, and he has a flaccid paralysis of his right leg. And so I grew up with a father with uh, a disability, and so that really shaped, you know, me thinking um, about what kind of patients I want to serve in the future in my career. Um, so when I got to first year of medical school, um, I really took an affinity quickly to MSK and neuro, you know, with that background in uh, exercise phase and the things I studied in undergrad coupled with um, just thinking about patients and people with disabilities. The MSK neuro course really stood out to me. Um, and so I knew from that point for sure I wanted to do something MSK and neuro-related, just played on too many of my interests. And it was about halfway through my first year of medical school that I had a, my mentor, Dr. Omar Salad, who's a KTUMB graduate and is a big mentor down at TCOM, who came to speak to us during the middle of first year, basically laid out the whole field, um, unraveled this gem, and it was ever since then, about halfway through first year, that I learned about PM&R, I immediately became attracted, and I never looked back. Awesome. Uh, I believe I saw some of the uh, friends of Omar Salad, um, I guess, uh, at one of the conferences, you guys had FOO attached to some yeah. of the name tags. That's right. Yeah, that's kind of his tagline. I think it started years back with him, but yeah, now we all have like shirts that say foo on them. Um, you go into like restaurants or stores and people kind of give you double takes, like what is, what's this guy wearing? Uh, but yeah, Friends of Omar. I think he even has it on his license plate. So he's definitely a big deal and has been a huge asset to uh, the T-commerce down in Texas as far as uh, creating a legacy of people who go into the field. I think last time I counted, he has put about 90 
uh, medical student into PM&R. So he's an awesome guy. <laughs> that is awesome. So I know that you have been involved with the AOC PM&R. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you've done and what your role was with the AOC PM&R. Yeah, you know, um, I was really lucky that um, AOC PM&R had a good presence at my local school uh, with the chapter. And so during my first year, um, I kind of watched um, how the local PM&R Interest Club um, kind of fostered curiosity and advocated for the field. And so as a second year, uh, I signed up to be in a leadership position, so I served as the vice president of our local chapter, um, you know, pretty much advocating to my, my fellow uh, students and people in the local Fort Worth community about what the field has to offer. We would set up lectures and different volunteer and clinical experiences uh, for people. And then into my third year, I took another leap into um, the National Student Council. I served on the Research Committee co-chair with James Myling, um, fellow TCOMer as well, who uh, together we did a lot of just uh, talking about uh, rehab-related research and helping students find research opportunities. So I've been able to work with AOCP Lenar quite a bit, and I definitely look forward to getting involved uh, as a resident uh, once I start my TGY2 year. Awesome. So uh, you were at the Mayo Clinic PM&R residency program. Uh, why did you decide to go on to Mayo Clinic? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I was very lucky to uh, have the chance to interview there. Um, one thing that I did was uh, secure an audition rotation during my fourth year. And so that really gave me a, a good insight into what the program had to offer um, we spent a month, you know, learning learning alongside the individuals in the program. I would say, you know, two broad things. The first thing is the institutional fit, and then the second thing would be um, just the personal fit. So I think, like, institutionally and professionally, really fit what I was looking for. What stands apart about Mayo Clinic is, you know, the people here, they're not only high-achieving, but they're really high-character people. Um, Mayo Clinic is steeped in a certain set of values that's been birthed out of the heritage of its founding from the Sisters of St. Francis. So you hear a lot of, um, you know, talk about respect, integrity, compassion, things like that, that really um, resound across the whole campus. And so I think one thing that stood out to me is that not only are the smartest people here, but they're also some of the most humble and, like, team-oriented people. Um, I could really see myself getting along um, with everyone that I met over, you know, th that course of the month. And then within the department even, the, the culture of the residency program really stood out to me. Everyone's still welcoming, uh, very team-oriented. Again, I think within the first week of me um, being at Mayo, I had met pretty much all of the program leadership and most of the residents, and that really stood out to me, that everyone was just so warm and welcoming. Um, and then the program itself, um, you know, Mayo does have quite a reputation that I was aware of, but it's very strong in different aspects of PM&R. I think the only fellowships we don't have are spinal cord injury and cancer rehab. Um, but there's ample uh, clinical mentors and role models um, from all different disciplines within PM&R. 
And for me specifically, MSK and Spine Care is something I'm really interested in, and I found a lot of good mentors at Mayo uh, during my time there. Um, and so that's kind of like, you know, the professional goals, the institutional goals, but then something that really, really was important to me was also the personal um, fit. And so when I was looking for a residency program to end up in, um, you know, I was really looking for a family-friendly city. I'm married. Um, we were starting a family uh, at that time, so I knew we would have, um, you know, a growing family. We have a son now who's uh, one year old. Um, in Rochester, there's just tons of families here. So when I lived here, I really got a sense of, you know, this is a place that I could see myself uh, bringing my family to and growing and would they enjoy their time here. Um, as far as the city itself, really high quality of living. I think that's one thing that stands out about Rochester. It's like consistently ranked in the uh, top 10 places to live in the country. Um, yeah, like great schools. It's really safe. Um, and that makes life easy as an intern even. Um, you know, cost of living is so cheap that we're able to afford a home. Um, I live just six minutes away from the hospital, so it takes me no time to, to get back and forth. And so, you know, I think it really checked all the boxes as far as what I'm trying to do in my career and professionally, but also who I'm trying to become and, and how I'm trying to live my life day-to-day uh, -day as a person outside of the medical world. And so Mayo just fit everything. Awesome. Um, you touched on a lot of this, but in addition to all of the things that you just mentioned, what other things should applicants consider when they put together the rank order list? Yeah, that's, a, that's a, another good question. Um, I would say it definitely is applicant-specific. You know, something I did, I created like a large spreadsheet had like 19 different factors that are all weighted, um, you know, things from like resident culture and sense of autonomy to more nuanced things like procedure numbers, call schedule. Um, I would say, you know, looking back, I would put less weight on like the logistical nuances, um, those, sm those smaller things, like how programs do things. They may, they may not be as significant as you think, and instead, I would focus more on the bigger picture. So, you know, regarding the program, when you're thinking about ranking, um, firstly, are they strong in what you want to do? Um, can you can you see your career interests being fostered and grown at that institution? Uh, are there mentors that you can identify and work with? Um, and just really think, you know, will this institution, will this program help me thrive as a physician? Um, and will you be able to achieve your career goals? And, you know, definitely do not underestimate as well um, that gut feeling. You know, ultimately, do you feel like these people are your people? Are they, um, you know, people that you can see yourself growing together with over the next three to four years? Um, and then, you know, regarding the city, I would also say don't underestimate the city that the program is in. And definitely think about the environment. Uh, when you're making that rank list, uh, what are the values of the city? Uh, what are the values of people you will be around? Will that place allow you to thrive outside of medicine when you go home? Um, and one piece of advice I got from a buddy of mine, Charlie Kenyon, who's at uh, UW, he said, you know, it's easy to think about who you'll be next year as like an intern, um, 
but often people don't think about who they will be in four years as a PGY3 or PGY4, um, and life can often look very different, you know, three to four years down the road. If you think back to uh, where you were four years ago, um, you're probably in a very different spot mentally and emotionally than you are today. And so um, try and plan as much as you can, you know, thinking about how will I grow into that city and that place um, because you're going to be there for a while and life's going to look a lot different in 2027 or 2023 than it does in 2020. Awesome. Those are very wise words, and I think our listeners will definitely take that into consideration when they're putting together their rank order list. Um, we had someone reach out to us recently and asked about letters of interest and reaching out to programs that were particularly interested in post-interview. Right. I think um, my personal opinion is to do it. Um, Definitely do it unless the program specifically states not to. So I did run across, you know, a handful of programs along the interview trail that said, uh, we really appreciate, you know, your, your letters and your feedback. It's just um, we don't have the time nor the resources to go through them. So really they become more of an impediment than not. But for the majority of the PM&R programs, I think they're very receptive to uh, letters of interest. I would say, you know, my first piece of advice is to be very judicious and intentional with them. I wouldn't blanket, you know, send 18 letters out to 18 different programs um, because, you know, inevitably it's a smaller field and these programs do talk to one another. And if they find out, you know, that perhaps you weren't very uh, intentional in the decision-making process and sending out these letters, it, it may not show as well as you think. So I, I limited it to my top three programs, you know, personally, and I use different wording for each one um, so as not to make it generic. I made it very personalized, uh, really highlighting what stood out to me about that program and, more importantly, how I felt I could contribute to that program, what kind of candidate they were getting if they were to accept me. Um, and generally, I had really good responses. You know, I, it sometimes opened up more discussions and just reflections on that interview day and kind of small funny moments that we shared. Um, and so I think it's definitely um, something that people shouldn't be afraid to do, but just do it wisely. Awesome. So if you could go back to uh, fourth year Chris Ha, after you just matched, what advice would you give to that person? Gosh, yeah, after I just matched, I would say take a nap. <laughs> you earned it. It's a it's a very long journey. Um, I remember this time uh, as people are preparing to, you know, submit and think about um, how to rank their programs, and honestly, it's a very mentally taxing time. So the first thing I did after match day is take a, a huge nap and kind of decompress, pull back, and realize that you've made it. And... Um, I would say, you know, moving forward, after you match, life is just really, really sweet. Um, so my biggest advice is to enjoy your time, you know, because you you will not get it back. It's a very unique time where likely rotations are slowing down a bit. Um, you're going to be planning for the next stage uh, in your career, whether you're, you'll be moving or uh, you know, finding a new place or um, just getting settled into the new community. Um, but 
definitely spend time with family and friends. Do that hobby you always wanted to do. Um, see it as a golden era of, of time where um, you know you can really invest in yourself and prepare yourself mentally, emotionally, physically before you get to intern year. Uh, other logistical things I would say, start reading the White Coat Investor, uh, Physician Philosopher, resources like this that talk about um, how to think about money and wealth, something that we definitely aren't trained in uh, during medical school. But I think that that really helped me um, have a plan when I entered intern year. As far as like, you know, those logistics like loan repayment, what is consolidation, um, because the reality is you're going to get a paycheck for the first time for a lot of us. And um, for me, I didn't know how to create a budget. I didn't know how to uh, allocate expenses to like rent or mortgages um, versus fixed costs, variable costs, those kinds of things. Um, and so I think everyone could benefit from some financial education. Uh, I would definitely recommend the White Code Investor as a starting point. Um, the last thing I'll mention, uh, you know, once you get to fourth year, um, the, the, I think the temptation would be to kind of just disconnect, um, you know, completely pull away, go into total vacation mode. I'll say one thing that uh, I wish I would have done more is to cultivate some good habits and to establish the priorities that I wanted to see in my life. Um, before I got to intern year. So, you know, specifically, because residency is, you know, honestly quite time-intensive, intern year is very hard, it's really beneficial if you go into it with a system that allows you to accomplish, you know, your medical and your non-medical goals. Um, so whether that's within, you know, fitness and exercise or you want to learn how to cook and meal prep, uh, you want to be a better reader, you want to practice, spending more time with your family. These are things that you can work on between, you know, March 15th or whatever up until graduation uh, and into that summer and really nail down a set of habits and a set of priorities um, for your life that such that when you get into July 1, you're not, you're not as phased by the initial shock and awe of everything. You kind of have a, a good foundation to, to sit on. Um, and you have a good system that works that will allow that will allow you to um, be a, a really high functioning resident. So that's my biggest advice. Awesome. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Dr. Ha. Yeah, happy to be on. It was great. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. This is your host, student Dr. Tassan Chaudhry. You have just listened to an episode of the American Osteopathic College, a physical medicine and rehabilitation podcast. Take care and have a great day.